Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Talk Shoe. I'm your host, David Chandler, and with me is my co-host, Najiti Hawkins. We're going to be talking about Marxism and its effect on public education. And before I go on with this riveting subject, um, I would like to let everybody know, whoever is listening and whoever isn't, that or whoever will be listening after the show is over, that uh, I have a friend on Facebook that has, well, I wouldn't say she's been knee-deep in in, in the, uh, the, the industry, the entertainment industry, but she said that she has met uh, or worked with a, an individual that met Anton LaVey. As a matter of fact, he was a member of the Church of Satan, and I want to, when after the new year, when when we finish the series and the Illuminati and the New World Order, I want to talk about the music industry. I'm going to have, probably have her on the show. More than likely, I'm going to have her on the show. So, um, and by the way, her name is Janet, and I don't even know where she lives. But anyway, um, wouldn't tell anybody that on the show anyway. But she she seems to have extensive, well, not extensive knowledge, but she seems to have in-depth knowledge of the the industry and who these, who the writers are, who the screenwriters and are, and who the, um, I wouldn't say the higher echelons, but, you know, people like George Lucas, people like um, uh, John Landis, who was the screenwriter for the for the movie The American Werewolf in London. And he also did the Blues Brothers movie. That was the that was the year before John Belushi died. So she she knows a lot of the movers and the shakers within the music and what well I keep saying music industry. Well, she knew, she knows a lot of names and a lot of movers and shakers within the entertainment industry because she used to work with this guy at some um, zine, some magazine, and she was the uh, editor, and she worked alongside an individual that was a member of the Church of Satan. I'm not going to name any names, but uh, but I am going to have her on the call when we do the show after the new year. So a little bit of a um, PSA there. Now, before we continue on with the show itself, I'm going to lead us off into a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for a peaceful evening, and thank you, Lord, for giving us the discernment to understand what is going on in this world today. Lord, we know that this world is so evil and so wicked, and Satan 
Satan's um, followers are on every hand, but you know that you have all power. We know that we, you have all power, and you are going to come back for us and build your and then return and 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 send uh, strip Satan of his power and send him into the lake of fire. Lord, be with us tonight as we delve into this pertinent subject. Give us the knowledge and illuminate us, Lord, with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello? I'm here. Oh, okay. I didn't didn't hear an amen, so I thought maybe you were moving around. I'm sorry. No, I had the phone on mute. Oh. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay. I hope you heard the prayer. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it. Oh, okay. So now I need to find my notes. Oh, here we go. All right, so uh, we learn in cult. Well, there's a lot of things that we did not learn in in school. I know I didn't learn anything in school. I'm, I'll be the first to admit to to you and everybody else that's listening. I didn't learn anything in school from the time when I was in kindergarten until I was in twelfth grade, my last year in high school. I didn't learn a thing. The, 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 the only time I learned anything was when I went to college. And that's when everything <clears throat> opened up for me as far as my studying skills, as far as my taking notes and think, and learning how to think for myself, learning how to disseminate information that's been subjected to me and and how to just you know, come to my own conclusions, and that's the impetus of critical thinking. Didn't know how to do that when I was in high school. Didn't know how to didn't know anything about any of that stuff going into these uh, public schools because they didn't teach us how to do that. So how did this, how did we get this? Well, how did the public school system get to this point? We we know about 1962 angle. Um, uh, Vital versus uh, Engels versus Vital in in 1962, the um, when prayer was taken out was removed from the public school system by a woman named Madeline O'Hare. She went to the Supreme Court and uh, said to the dignitaries that were there and the judge and you know, professing that. Prayer was unconstitutional. Putting God in the in in the schools were, was unconstitutional. So they voted to take prayer out of the schools. And of course, this law was not made or was not taken into effect until the 80s. We saw the 
effect of that decision in the 1980s. Now, things were beginning to get bad. You know, they were starting to fall apart. And we were all children back then. I was probably in kindergarten by 1980, 81. And even though we were were still honoring God, we were singing the the old Negro spirituals. I know I was. I remember um, singing Lift Every Voice and Sing. Every single day that we were in school, we, at the beginning of every school day, we would listen, we would sing, lift every voice and sing, and then we would pledge, uh, we would say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag and things of that sort, and then we would open up in a word of prayer. Now, all that ended in 1985. Everybody stopped doing it. And um, by 1990, things were beginning to really get out of hand. We, we, we began to see the rotten fruit, the rotten harvest that, was, that sprung about after that decision was made in 1962. For instance, when I was going to school, I, I was going to Germantown High School in ninth grade, 1989-1990, that school year. I was in the ninth grade, and I remember walking through the hallways, and I lied to you not. This is, I'm not going to swear, but this is my, I'm just being truthful. The entire hallways were smelling, I mean, reeked of marijuana. Bathrooms everywhere. And though it wasn't so bad that we were having brawls and knock-down, drag-out, fistfights every day like they do now, but... It was pretty bad. And by 1994, it was so bad that we were having metal detectors every single day that we were, that we were going into to, to, to start the school day, checking students to see that see if they were carrying guns or weapons or any of, anything of that sort. Um, I remember one year when I went, or one day actually when I went, uh, there was a, a kid that started a fire on the fourth floor. And I said, okay, why wasn't this kid expelled? But he wasn't expelled. He was kicked out. I mean, he was suspended, but he wasn't expelled from the school. And I said to myself, things have gotten so bad that it's not even safe for any of us to learn. It's not a, a safe learning environment. And so this is where a lot of the the parents, Christian parents, were beginning to homeschool their children. They wouldn't send them to the public school system at all. And man, I should have been one of those kids, but unfortunately I was not. So college was my saving grace. When I went to college, I felt a sense of relief because I didn't have to worry about bullies, even though I was fighting every day. When I was in middle school, I was, especially in middle school, in eighth grade, I was fighting every single solitary day. And, and, and I'm by far a fighting person, but, you know, I'm not a fighter, but I, every time I went there to school at uh, when I was in the eighth grade, that's all I did was fight because the kids had so many problems because we were dealing with broken homes. By this time, by, by the 1980s, going into the 90s, uh, again, the do what thou wilt shall be the whole of that, that whole phrase, that whole um, philosophy of do what you want to do, do what thou wilt, which was a famous quote that was popularized by Aleister Crowley, who was a Satanist, started to 
really take effect during the 1980s. Single-parent homes, um, well, fatherless children, that fatherless generation started to grow up and to get older, and they had a lot of problems, again, like I said. So I'm going to add to that, and I'm going to let everyone know the reasons why these problems were happening in school. Everybody was wondering, what's happening? What's going on? Why Why was God taken out of the school system? Well, it's been a plan of the elite for years, for at least 40 years before then. A guy by the name of, well, actually it was longer than that, might have been two, hundreds of years before the, this particular dysfunctional foundation was planted. And a guy by the name of Horace Mann, Horace Mann was a key figure at the Tavistock Institute in England, and he was an American politician and a reformer, and he served in the Massachusetts State Legislature from 1827 to 1837, I should say. Horace Mann, by the way, was a very liberal individual, just like that part of the, 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 the area. The Massachusetts in and of itself is pretty, pretty liberal. I'm pretty sure anyone who's Ameri- who is aware of American politics knows who Ted Kennedy was. He was the senator from Massachusetts before he died, and he was extreme. He was you talk about Obama being bad. He was really bad as far as his views were concerned. But Horace Mann was born in 1776 in May, and he died in, in August the second, nineteen eighteen fifty nine. And, you know, he uh, was for education reform. And what I mean by reform, when you talk about a reformation, you're talking about a shift in in, in the way people think and how the culture is to be run. For instance, if I were to start a, a reformation, just like Martin Luther did when he pasted his uh, 93, 93 or 95-page door on the, well, his 93-page, uh, I'm sorry, his 95-page essay on the door of Wittenberg, Germany, the, the Catholic Church, he started a reformation, which was a change in the way people think. It was a change in the way the culture, uh, or a change in that particular dispensation. So everybody, so the, the Protestant movement started after as a result of what Martin Luther did, and he uh, it was as a result of his Reformation. So this what this is what Horace Mann did. Horace Mann started an education reform, and it says in, on my notes here it says it wasn't until he was appointed secretary in 1837 of the newly created Board of Education of Massachusetts that he began the work which was to place him in the foremost rank of the American educator. So he was at the center of public education. Previously, he had not shown any interest in education. He was, of course, a politician. He was encouraged to take the job only because it was paid. It was a paid position established by the legislature. So he was getting paid by the legislature, in other words. He began as secretary of the board, on entering his duties, he withdrew from all professional and business engagement and from politics. So he was deeply invested in education. Well, he became deeply invested in education. So his secular nature, uh, as the old deluder Satan act, 
And I want you to take note of that. And other Massachusetts school law attest early what education. What was that? Uh, that was the Deluder Satan Act. It was some type of law that was passed by the Massachusetts school, well, the, the Massachusetts legislature. It says that early education, even under state control in Massachusetts, had a clear religious intent. However, by the time of man's leadership in education, various developments, including a vibrant populist, Protestant faith, and increased religious diversity, fostered a secular school system with a religious, well, with a religi- uh, religiously passive stance. In other words, people were able... Man wanted everyone in these particular schools to practice whatever religious whatever religious belief that they wanted, and man affirmed that our public schools are not theological seminaries. Now this is what he said, and that we were debarred by law from inculcating inculcating sorry the peculiar and distinctive doctrines of any other religious denomination among us, or all that is essential to religion or to salvation. So you can see that this man was a a, a straight-out, undeniable um, liberal. He was an unbeliever, a modernist. He assured those who objected to the secular nature that our system earnestly inculcates all Christian morals. Now, I'm going to go to another man who was another key figure in public education, George Brock Chisholm. Pretty sure you've heard of him. He said, to achieve world government, it is necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, loyalty to family tradition, national patriotism, and religious dogmas. Two parents of public school uh, children realized that one of the primary engineers of today's godless public school philosophy was a God-hating, family-hating, immoral communist. His name was George Brock Chisholm. He was born in 1896, and he died in 1971. Chisholm was the first head of the World Health Organization. Illuminati all the way through. Yeah? They call it it again? They call it who, right? Yeah. That's the acronym. Right. All right. And, and he laid the blame for war and human conflict squarely at the feet of parents. Now, and Sunday school teachers who from the beginning fed their children the poisonous certainties of the Bible. So this is what he said, and I quote, Can we identify the reasons why we fight wars? Many of them are easy to list. Prejudice, isolationism, the, the ability to emotionally and uncritically believe unreasonable things. When the and I'm a continuous quote, when the other infectious diseases are were attacked at the prevent preventative level, some martyrs had to be sacrificed to the cause of humanity because reactionary forces fought back. Ignorance, superstition, moral certainties resisted through anti reformed organizations, religious and political pressure groups, even political parties. Now this was a quote from Dr. G. Brock Chisholm. And this was in a book called The Reestablishment of Peacetime Society, Psychiatry, February of 1946. That's when it was published. This is an excerpt, another 
excerpt taken from the book None Dare Call It Treason by John A. Stormer. For the rare citizen who escapes indoctrination in the new social order in progressive schools, progressive meaning is is another buzzword for socialism, for the Bible-believing Christian who rejects theologians who teach that socialism is the new kingdom of God on earth for all the sturdy souls who hold to the age-old concept of right and wrong and are vocal about it, the collectivists have one final ultimate weapon, declare them insane. This is what they are telling young children to believe, that the Bible and all of its precepts and any kind of Christian worldview that you hold to is crazy, Believe in evolution. That's why evolution is being pushed in the public school systems now, because it's scientific, and we have all this evidence. See, young lady, uh, that ape right over there, those all these fossils, we found that we, uh, we have proof that they were discovered millions of years ago. So, uh, fantastic, not at all, just. As in the field of education, religious press, radio, and television, the, the, the collectivists, or the, uh, the elite, have succeeded in infiltrating and twisting the honorable psychiatric and psychological professions to their own ends. So in other words, psychiatry, it's strange though, when I was in school, that's all you had were psychiatrists and psychologists, and they were labeling students. So if you were a very, you were hyper- well, not hyper, but if you had a lot of energy. And see, girls and boys learn differently. So you've got a psychiatrist in, your, in, a, in a particular school. You know, you've got an eighth grade kid, and these, one girl learns differently from this guy, this little boy. And all a psychiatrist has to say is, well, he's got hyperactive disorder, or he's L, he's um, what do they call it? He he's uh, more or less SED, socially emotionally disturbed, or he is what they now call um, he has hyperactive. Um, he's um, ADD, you know. ADD, ADHD, ADD, all those letters. Yeah, ADHD, ADD, you know, uh, and so now they put you on Ritalin. Or, you know, since boys learn differently from men, see, children, you know, young uh, boys they learn visually. They're visual learners, and just like young girls, young girls are verbal learners. They learn with words, as opposed to young kid, young boys. Young boys, they have to be taught differently. They have to be taught because they're right, the right side of their brains. Well, I'm sorry, the left side of their brains. You know, young uh, psychiatrists say that uh, kid, uh, young boys use the left side of their brains, which is more adapt to reasoning and logic, as opposed to a young girl who uses the left side, I mean the right side, who is more intuitive, more attentive, and more emotional, I guess. So a psychiatrist doesn't understand this, so these labels are attached to them. So now you have a learning disability. You're learning disabled, and so you get placed in all these special classes, and you get placed on all these drugs. And now from the time you're 
in second or first grade all the way up into the time you're in high school, this follows you. And right. so it's 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 a shame. You know, it, it really is a shame, but this is what we this is the problem that we have in today's school system, especially with the this whole evolution, you know, the teaching of evolution. And this is why we have so much anarchy in our schools. Because if you're teaching a kid that you came from an animal, then he's going to act like an animal. You're nothing more than an evolved animal. You're not a person. You're an animal. The only difference is you've been evolved. But your your great-great cousin, Susie, who's a, a, an ape or a chimpanzee or an orangutan or a some type of other species of monkey, that's your cousin because they do this pretty much do the same thing or they're similar biologically to you. Right. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much, pretty much, I can uh, basically just you know start with the whole with the whole thing uh, where they remove prayer out of school. Uh, now, I've heard some people say that when they took prayer out of school, or actually that when it comes to the when it comes to the statistics of the morality within the country, uh, some would argue that it was always there. But um, excuse me. But if you look, if you, I mean, like you know, like you gave your personal testimony as to how you've seen things go from uh, from bad to worse, even within your time. Like, uh, what year was that when they took prayer out of school? That was in 1962, and okay, it so, started to affect, yeah. yeah, it started to take effect in the 80s. But go ahead. All right, so when you start from 1952 all the way up to 2015, you will see... Uh, at first, a slow and steady decline in morality, you know, within within the school system and within the uh, within the whole country, because technically the children who came out of that generation where uh, they took prayer out of school uh, as they got older and was taught evolution in place of creation science. Hold on for a second. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why my son always bothers me while I'm on the phone. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. And I'm going to get into that, too. But uh-huh. uh, So as I was saying, uh, from 1952 and the steady, the steady decline of morality, when you look at, uh, when you look at scriptures like Matthew 4, uh, 24, where, and I'm going to go there right now, go to Matthew 24. And I think I was saying that about the parents who come out of, the, not the parents, but the children who came, who came out of that generation when they first took prayer out of school. I mean, notice what happened. Think about your child in 1952. By the, 70s, by the 70s, you're probably in your late 20s, right, or early 20s. Uh, yeah, it was '62. Okay, so you're probably like a, still a teenager, 
heading into mm-hmm. adulthood. But then right. we recognize what what was going on in the seventies. You got uh, that's when liberalism really took off uh, with people uh, free, not free sex, but uh, what you call it? That was during the hippie, the hippie, uh, the hippies age. Well, it was still going on during the 70s. It really started hitting home during the 70s. Right, exactly. Um, But let me go ahead to Matthew 24. Mm -hmm. Matthew 24. And I'm going to start at verse 4. And he says, uh, Matthew 24, 4, he says, And these answered and said unto to them, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, as I always do, I love to point out the fact that Jesus said that these are the beginning of sorrows, and all the things that are taking place now are indicators of where we at in Bible prophecy. Now, when we we see all these things, and these things have been going on, but He says these are the beginning of sorrows. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, the sorrows were in relations to a woman that's about to give birth or a woman that's in the process, yeah, in the process of giving birth and her contractions are, are esca- they start to escalate in size and in magnitude, also in frequency. So when they took prayer out of school in 1952, I mean, you, anybody can do the research themselves to look at the statistics of, how, uh, of school pregnancy. Uh, uh, violence and school shootings and things of that nature. From 1952 all the way up to today, the the, the, uh, the statistics still tell us and show us and they demonstrate that those things, as they they began to escalate right after 1952, and they are definitely coming to a head now. I mean, all the stuff that you said that you went through, um, mm-hmm. medical and things of that nature. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, now mo- a lot of parents are taking their children out of public schools. Yep. And it's not it's not only it's not only because of the poor educational system that we have today, which I mm-hmm. honestly believe they are purposely trying to dumb down the children, dumb down our kids, so that once they bring in this new world order, it's going to be a uh, it's going to be easier for them to control the populace. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, again, like I said, you know what I'm saying. You can anybody can look up the the uh, statistics as to you know how far America has gotten in uh, into moral moral depravity. You know. Uh, and then what was this thing you brought up again? Something, you said a law in Massachusetts, something, the Satan, Satan what? I, I I couldn't understand what you were saying. That, uh, whoops, um, I got to bring it up again. It's, um, 
see. It's called the old. The old. It's the old. The Looter Satan Act. Okay, I see. It. All right, and just pretty much. Now, what was the what was the agenda behind this again? I want to make sure I I, I heard you correctly. Well, the the agenda behind this was to open up a vibrant populist Protestant faith or to increase religious diversity. And this fostered a school system with a religious uh, w- w- with a passive stance concerning religion, uh, re- you know, religion. So in a nutshell, pretty much everybody, pretty much everybody can. What's the what was the exact agenda though? Well, the, again, the, the the exact agenda was to get rid of Christianity. It was to pretty much either get rid of it or make it so that it's not all that important. It's not taken seriously. And so everything else, every other religion is more or less taken seriously, like now, you know. And that's where it came from. And it was the, it's called the the Luder Satan Act of nineteen nineteen. Uh, I'm sorry, not I keep saying nineteen. It's uh it's called the uh, old the Luder Satan Act or the General School of Law of of, of sixteen forty two. Okay. And I'm now, sorry, that's not 1642. It's 1647. I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm looking at this whole situation, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they like they want to cry out that they want everybody to have a chance to, uh, I guess, express their religious diversity here in America, which is fine. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and also in the school system. But here's the problem, it's just, and it's happening now. Like, uh, Unfortunately, it's like when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to the Christian doctrine, it's like that's the only one that's not allowed in the schools. Like now, they got kids learning the, uh, the, uh, the Islamic prayer. Mm-hmm. You know the five pillars of Islam. Yeah, I mean they wouldn't dare do that in uh, schools now, especially after remove uh, after the uh, 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 yeah that shooting out in <laughs> Southern California. Yeah, after they got the whole separation of church and state involved, you know mm-hmm. that Christianity was definitely targeted at these schools. But my problem, my problem with that is. If you're going to ban Christianity, you're going to ban Bibles, you're going to ban prayer, it should be all the way around the board. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, not to mention, based off the Constitution, government is not even supposed to be involved in the educational system. So it's already a red flag there. But, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Again, by removing prayer out of school, it's almost like Satan – the first thing he has to do is attack the word of God. Yeah. Attack anything pertaining to God. So you remove this out of the way. Now he started implementing his 
his doctrine, his form of religion, which is pretty much focused on uh, the evolution of mankind. Because, again, we see this in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 3, and ye shall be as God. We went right back into the same scenario when it comes to all of these uh, uh, prior discussions. Uh, evolution, as we'll probably get into a little later, that that's one of the main, well, now and today, evolution is used as a tool and a vehicle to push the New Age philosophy into getting man to a point where he is fully evolved and become he becomes a god. So they remove prayer and uh, God from the school system. And so now, as you uh, pointed out earlier, look at the results. I'm, I'm t- I tend to think about what he says in Second Thessalonians uh, where he says, he who now let us will let until he be removed and then that man of sin will be revealed. Uh, I tend to think of the Holy Spirit holding back the all-out evil forces here on this planet. And if we break it down into sub-levels, uh, in your home, if you have a house and you have a, a godly house or prayer, a house that's, uh, you know, your, your, the, the parents, they, they are Christians, they love the Lord, the children, for the most part, for the most part, they turn out okay, uh, and most kids have that rebellious of stage in their lives. But as they get older, you know, the Bible says, raise up your child in the way that they should go, and when they're older, they shall not turn from it. Uh, but if you look in, at a household where there's no God, where there's, as you say, do as thou wilt, the kids technically grow up doing as they will and they more likely get into trouble or, or, or die prematurely because they don't have a foundation to stand on unless, you know, God willing, they find Jesus Christ later on in life. Uh, and then, you know what I'm saying, they probably break the chain in that area. But if you go up to, like, uh, the social levels where God is, where God is present, you don't see a lot of this anarchy or this uh, this rebellious, evil nature in people. Uh, people have a more civilized thought when it comes to uh, society. Uh, and then you go up into the school systems, the government systems. If you got at least one or two Christian, uh, two or three Christians within that arena, within uh, within the scopes of those organizations, more than likely you're going to have people there to, uh, to, to fight for righteousness and justice and things of that nature. Uh, let me find it in Scripture. I'm going to go to Proverbs. I think it's in Proverbs where it talks about how a nation is exalted. Uh, Looking for it now. I'm thinking in Proverbs. Are you saying? Are, are you talking about the the verse where uh, a nation that uh, values God, but the, the, uh, a nation, uh, well, uh, but uh, sin is re- a reproach to any people. 
Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to find it so that people can uh, pretty much highlight it if they insect kind of thing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, righteousness, there it goes, 1434. Yeah, Proverbs 1434. Yeah, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And that's true. You know, when you have righteous people who reign, who who you might have a righteous president. Like, uh, what's his name? John F. Kennedy. When he came into office, now, uh, in his early presidency, a lot of people said that, you know, he was into, like, he, he, was, he was having an affair with, what's that uh, model name? I forgot her name. Uh, it's uh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. And uh, but they say later on, he, you know, what I'm saying he repented, and this is where we start to see a lot of the changes that took place. For instance, he wanted to shut down the CIA. He wanted to stop the uh, the, the, the near war we had with uh, with Russia, not Russia, Viet- yeah, with Russia Vietnam. Vietnam, he wanted to do away with all of that stuff. And not only that, he stopped the Federal Reserve from printing and coining money, which I believe uh, caused him his life. But in doing so, you know what I'm saying, we see how when somebody righteous is in office or in a certain type of position uh, within the schools, within your, in your job or the government, mm-hmm. uh, you you see the fruits of that, but when you have sin, which is a reproach to any people, you see the fruits of that. Well, yeah, um, it's exactly right. I'm glad you brought that up, Proverbs fourteen thirty four, because my previous uh, dissertation was going to lead to that. You know, now we have, we're run by communists, we're run by Marxist people who are godless, people that are not governed by the word of God, but they're governed by their own humanistic perspectives. You know, you have people like Barack Obama, who is not a Christian by any sense of the imagination. Now, I've, got, I've, had, I've heard blacks, Christian and non-Christian, come to me and say that I was being judgmental, that I didn't know the man, and I was this, that, and the other. And I said to myself, and I'm saying to them that, oh, and I've given them evidence. I'm not just, I wasn't just talking out of the side of my head and being disrespectful just because I want to beat them in an argument or a debate. But I said, this man spoke at a Planned Parenthood rally twice during his presidential campaigns. The second time, I don't know, I guess maybe he was trying to beat himself as being the most evil president that we've ever had. But he said to them, God bless you in your work. Now, if anybody... I'm sorry? I said that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's it's insane. And if anybody knows who Margaret Sanger is, she was the editor... For the birth control review, I think that's the name of the the paper, and she said that we have to get the word out that we're we uh, that we are trying to exterminate 
oh, I'm sorry, we don't want the word to go out that we're trying to exterminate the Negro population. So this is what... If if I also might add, she's mm-hmm. fully endorsed, even though she's dead, she's fully endorsed and supported by Hillary Rodden Clinton. Yeah, she oh, said yeah. it herself. She said it herself. She said it last night, as a matter of fact. Well, she's, she's fully endorsed night. by the U.N. The U.N. endorses her. But you know what? You know what? There's a lot of blacks that are going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I was in a barbershop not too long ago. It was probably last week or the week, uh, month, last month. And I said to my barber after he got done with my hair, I said, what do you think about Ben Carson? Oh, uh, he's a... He's a sellout, and I don't care about Ben Carson. I'm just going to – he's a coon. He's a self-hater. You know, blank him. And then he says, I'm going to vote for Hillary. I said, what? I said, first of all, the, the Hillary Clinton – now, if you want to talk about white versus black, Hillary, Hillary Clinton is a white woman. She doesn't care about you. Secondly, why would you vote for an individual who endorse, who is endorsed or who endorses – Margaret Sanger, who I believe is the most evil woman in history, who who uh, wanted the murder, who was happy about the murder of black babies. Hey, not and to mention, a, not not but, to mention. Not can to we mention, also rest? Can we also rest upon the reasons as to why she wanted to do that a little bit? If you guys are okay with that. Well, um, yeah, that's what I, was about to, uh, I was about to point out the fact that she justified wanting uh, to eliminate not not just Negroes but Jews as well, based on uh, evolution. Yeah, evolution. Yeah, because she figured that any other human being or any other people on this planet other than white people are subhuman, and as a matter of fact. Uh, you know what I'm saying, that uh, evolution also played a part in a lot in, uh, in genocide, a lot of the genocides against black people. And that also played a part in the Holocaust. Adolf Hitler was a follower of, he believed in evolution. As a matter of fact, his Nazi, his, his ideologies, or, you know, Nazism, came out of the idea that blacks and Jews were subhuman. As a matter of fact, when Jesse Owens played for the 1933 Olympics, I think it was in 1938 if I'm not mistaken, 1933 or 1938, and Adolf Hitler was there, he got up and and walked out, walked out of the stadium because he was angry, and he said that it is not fair for this monkey to have won the the Olympics. So he hated blacks and he hated the Jews, obviously. So that was the the foundation of all of his Nazi ideologies besides the fact that he was a follower of, of, of Helena Blavatsky and the um, Theosophical Society. He had a book called The Secret Doctrine and he read it and that was, and, and it talked about the Aryan race. It talked about where the Aryan, the first Aryan man, was buried in Tibet. So that's where the Nazis and Hitler, well Heimlich, Heimlich, I think his name, uh, I can't remember, Himmler. 
sorry, Himmler ordered an excavation of the grave where they believed that the first Aryan man was buried. So they went up there and they dug it. They dug up this excavation, this this burial site, and they claimed to have found the first Aryan man. This was by orders of Heinrich Himmler. So that gave found that 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 gave reason. That gave them foundation for their Nazi ideologies, for their racist ideologies. That's why they killed all those Jews because they were not cho- they, they they did not e- they believed that they did, they did not evolve they did not evolve like they did they were higher on the evolutionary scale than they were so they were exterminated hey Jamel, do you want to add something to that well actually it's funny that they prefer they they like to explain or use evolution to explain the fact that blacks or anyone that's non-white is a weaker species and attempted wow. to to uh, exterminate them. Yet, in many situations, take for instance the Spanish population here in America, they're expanding at a rapid rate. So, yeah. if if we really wanted to speak from an evolutionary position. We could say that anyone who's a minority is the weakest or weaker race by, I mean, just statistically speaking. That would completely rule out the whites itself immediately, or those who are racist, I should say, as the dominant species of man. So you are the weakest link, bro. (laughs) Well, okay, that joke was so dry, I almost coughed coughed it. You know, it was just my throat. It was so dry that I had to drink, take a drink because of it. But go ahead. Like I was saying, it's interesting that Jamel brought that up because just as white people, white races, I'll say, use evolution to justify racism against black people and other minority groups, today, you will see the same thing being done with Afrocentric. And they have taken hold of the whole evolutionary uh, process or the whole evolutionary theory to justify their racist agenda. For instance, you will hear, when I say Afrocentric, I mean people like the Kemet, even even within the BHI, like uh a lot of them do believe in evolution, but the way that they look at it, the way that black Afrocentrists look at it, they will say because based off of the whole uh, theory behind what they call scientific Lucy or scientific Eve, I'm sorry, uh, scientific Eve, they say that she was the first homo sapien uh, fossil to be found, and it, and it shows truth that uh, life started in Africa. So when Afrocentrists heard this, the first thing they went and did was jumped all over it. Oh, see, that's proof we told you everybody came from the black man. Everybody came from the black man. Everything came from Africa. But what they failed to realize is that this so-called homo sapien that they found, it was in an evolutionary chart, is one step 
down from a monkey. So we right back where we uh where we started at. Now uh now back in the day they say, Oh, black people are monkeys, da 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 and with evolution we can see that they monkeys, they act like monkeys and all this other stuff. They don't want to they dress it up in this whole scientific theory and say, Oh look, everybody came from Africa. But black people are still monkeys, it's just that they have a now, they, now they say they're monkeys in nature, not physically. Right. They have a closer relationship to the first woman or first Eve or African Eve or scientific Eve. They have a closer relation to her. So it still goes, and they, and they, they even had the nerves. They had the nerve to go to Africa and track down uh, some indigenous people uh, who have been civilized, but they still use their native tongue. And they use a dialect that uses a lot of clicks and, and uh, with the tongue. Uh, they, it sounds something like this, like something like that. So they said, this is what they said. They said that uh, you can go on a National Geographic and look it up for yourself about scientific ease. These so-called explorers said that they are so close to scientific ease, and they're talking about the monkey, that they still retain the ancient language of that <clears throat> species. Now, you know it's point. You know if it says if it says species, then it's talking about a totally different kind. Now, I know that when God created everything. As he stated in Genesis, that this made it of its own kind. You better preach. You better yeah. preach. Now, how in the world did all of a sudden these black people become a different kind? And we have, uh, or it just is just it's just crazy. But back to the Afrocentrists, yeah, they look at it like, oh, see. We are the ones who who grew who who produced all the all the people in the world, and then we also provided. And this is where they get to the religious part. Oh, we we built the uh, we built we built the pyramids using science. We had the first doctors, and then they start pulling people from Egypt. M Hotel, who uh, uh, Pharaoh uh, Pharaoh. Tutankhamun, Tutan right? King Tut and all these other guys, and uh, but that's that's on the Afrocentrist side, and they said that white people, they said that white people in evolution, from us. they are from uh, when they moved away from us up into the Caucasus Mountains, that they continued as they were, but. Uh, and they are called the Neanderthals, saying that the Neanderthals are the white, are, and that's why white people are less evolu- uh, uh, are not as evolved as black people are. But all you got to do is flip the scale and go backwards, and you'll see how uh, the races white people use it or were using it back then. It's the same thing. It's just the roles are reversed. They are so, black people who came from trees and all this other stuff. Go ahead. But it, it's fascinating because 
I hear this all the time. I, I, there's a lot of there's a high concentration of BHIs in Philadelphia where I I live, and they'll tell you the same thing, but in a different way, I guess. And so they'll tell, like for instance, I was talking to uh, well, Naditi and I made a lot of commits on Black Planet. That's where we we know each other from, and if they're not commits, then they were conscious thinkers and if they weren't conscious thinkers then they were what what we call five percenters now i didn't meet a lot of five percenters on 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 that particular social site but i did meet a lot of chemists a lot of chemists and they are as about as out as far to the left as my hand could point down the street that's how far to the left they are uh, this one girl comes into the uh, the group. Well, not well, girl, but this one guy that I was talking to, and I kind of befriended after a while because we kind of had certain things in common, i.e., uh, our art. You know, we we both like to write, and even though he's kind of further along with his art, he does writing, he draws, and all. That. But anyway, to make a long story short, we got into a conversation about Jesus Christ over the phone, and I sat in the kitchen. And I listened to this guy, and I said to myself, this guy is always talking about energy. And and I asked him a question. I said, well, how do we do our art? How, how do we just sit down and write or draw or whatever it is that we do? I, was, I wanted to, to just to see where he was coming from, just to see what kind of a religious worldview he held to. So this guy says, his answer was, or his response was, well, you know, we tap into some energy to, you know, to, uh, I tap into this energy to do my art, to do my books, to, to do whatever, just like you tap into the same energy to do your writing, to do your books. But what they, what they fail to understand, and I I hate to cut you off, is in many situations when they say energy, they try to tie it in. The idea they have in mind isn't necessarily an electrical impulse that we no, imagine no. energy to be. It's actually spiritual, very spiritual. Yeah, that's exactly what they say. That's exactly what they mean, spiritual energy. Just like when GT and I were talking about the music industry, and they're always, like, for instance, Carlos Santana said that I tap into a, a spiritual force oh, when I do my... Uh, not Carlos Santana. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Not Carlos Santana. All right, let me shut up and let me GT do all the talking now because I haven't got myself in trouble. No, but uh, this is what he said in a magazine uh, called The Rolling Stone. And he said that he taps into a spiritual energy. All of them say that. All of these rock musicians say that. They, Led yeah. Zeppelin, uh, the Beatles... Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, uh, Beyonce even says that she raised her hand. Now she don't do any of this stuff before she asks the spirit to 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 come into her, and she's able to perform and sing strong and powerful and things like that. But she said in an interview that she felt something come inside of her. Now back to Carlos Santana. He said that it's a Force. It's a spiritual force that they tap into when they're doing their live performances. That's how they're able to play the guitar. That's how they're able to sing without, you know, uh, 
you know, their voice being ragtagged and coerced and things of that sort. That's why they're able to, to captivate an audience because it's a force that they tap into. And that's exactly what he was telling me over the phone. And I'm saying to myself, this guy is a new ager. But he's not calling himself a new ager. He's calling himself conscious. He's saying that, oh, we're all conscious. We need to get away from all the, and, and this is his language, the niggers, and we need to, you know, formulate our own conscious, uh, our own conscious environment, our own conscious, um, you know, community, our own yeah. intellectual. So, so they think intellectualism is 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 a part of them being conscious. Yeah, a lot of a lot of them that use uh, new age jargon don't know that they are. How can I say? Are using new age jargon? It's like you know, it's not like it's one individual, and again, despite how I see this cat, I won't say his name out of respect. But there's one cat that constantly uses... Say his name, say his name, say his name. I'm sorry. They constantly use New Age philosophy, but will swear up and down that you whine on Not to mention, they also don't realize that many of the things they're saying are exact replicas, or I should say perjured pieces from the Bible itself. They're, they're literally biblical principles that were taken and twisted to, com- to apply to something completely different. Right. Exactly. So what they do is they just make it into some occult type. It's like magic. It's like they're mm-hmm. tapping into some kind of magic force, some kind of magical energy. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, Dave, did you? I know we got uh, Jamel, and I, I think I heard Darian. Uh, I think there's a few other people on the line. If they wanted to say um, say anything, anything, or we can just continue on. Uh, yeah, it's, no, focusing it's, on. If you go, go ahead. Oh, it's it's uh, Northwest Arkansas is on the line. You have any comments or questions? No, I just got on here to listen. See all the brothers I've been talking to. This oh. is David, by the way. Hey, Brother David Broom. How are you? <laughs> no, I'm doing great. That's great. Cool. Welcome, welcome to uh welcome to the discussion. Um, David Broom. And you got you got Carol on here, G T. What's going on? I'm sorry, let me mute my phone. I've got my youngest. Okay. <laughs> Hmm. All right. Uh, who else we got on the phone? Uh, it's just the three Maryland people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And that's it. All right, then. Uh, if you could just go a little, a little, a little more into um, how the educational system was changed, and uh, maybe about fifteen, maybe about fifteen more minutes, and then. We can just dive headlong into the whole evolutionary or evo- uh, theory of evolution and break it down biblically as to how and why it's wrong. Well, 
the educational system uh, I don't it was affected by the Marxists as I explained earlier and we are now seeing a systematic dumbing down of the culture at large not just a few people here and there you know and then you've got everybody else knowing what's happening no we we've got a systematic dumbing down of the culture at large and what i mean by dumbing down is these kids or these people that the populace don't know what's happening and not only are they being dumbed down morally but they're being dumbed down educationally now i'm going to focus on on one part of that of what i just said morally and since 1963 62 63 thereabouts there's been a weakening of the family 75% of all black children are born out of wedlock so since 75% we only make up 13% of the entire population per capita now I may be wrong on that statistic but 75% out of that 13% that's a pretty large number of people so before to even before the 70s we had a a strong family dynamic we had a strong family presence there was not one family not one black family or a family period that was headed by feet by a woman you had a mother and a father and you had children being raised in that home now there's a popular phrase going along uh, you know being passed along about the you know with the as far as the progressives are concerned it takes a village to raise a child this is what Hillary Clinton said if I might add, that's not Bible. That's actually an old African proverb. I just wanted to put that out there. That is hey, not Bible. Hey. <laughs> I think it worked. <laughs> well, yeah, it was an old uh, African proverb, but Hillary popularized it. She kept saying it. You know, when her husband was president, she was saying it. She was saying it to a lot of black voters. It takes a village to raise a child. And I'm like, well, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't even know what, what, she, what she meant by that because when they were running the, the Oval Office, I was, what, in my 20s, and I didn't care what was, what, was, uh, what was going on, what the agenda was, like now anyway. So now we fast forward all the way to 2015, and we have all of these fatherless kids running around, and they don't have a clue. They, let me tell you, they don't have, when I say they don't have a clue, that's what I mean. They don't have a clue. I mean that literally. They don't care. They have l- very little respect for adults, very little respect for authority. And so now we have this so-called Black Lives Matter movement going on, and you know, Chicago is the epicenter of gang warfare, Chicago and California, but Chicago in particular because it was out there. And you've got a lot of black youth shooting and killing each other in the streets like animals because the the public school system out there is 
atrocious. I thought the public school system here in Philadelphia was bad, you know, to the point where they're closing down schools now and they're borrowing money. Why? Because there's a lot of Democrats, there's a lot of liberals in in, in high positions of, of power that are running things behind the scenes. And they keep saying, well, there's no money. Well, that's why we can't teach our children, because there's no money. And But yet you've got teachers that don't teach. You've got teachers that are coming mm-hmm. out of the same they're, – they're, they're being taught the same principles that their teachers were being mm-hmm. taught. So if their teachers were being taught the same principles that previous mm-hmm. other teachers were being taught, like the, the George Brock Chisholm's and the Horace yeah. Mann's and, and all these – you know their principles are being implement, implemented into the pedagogy and of a lot of uh, teachers' schools and things of that sort. A lot of graduate schools and institutions. Then that's all you're going to get. So the children are going to be the victims of somebody else's mistakes. So now we've got children being taught evolution. So I'm being taught that I came from a frog, or I, I just evolved from some primordial ooze 50 million years ago and so now my grandfather was a rabbit so now I'm a I'm 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 a full grown adult because my you know so all these things are being taught in our science books biology you know thing and and so now could have could have killed it but I thought it was dead you know you know now it's uh so gotten to the point that. where our children are not being taught. Hello, I'm hearing a lot of background noise. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, okay. Uh, I gotta. Let me mute some of these people. I'll go on a second here. So, again, we have a systematic dumbing down of the populace because they're not being taught the Bible. When the Bible is being thrown out of any kind of pedagogy or any kind of system of teaching, then you're going to have mass chaos. You're going to have, mass, you're going to have destruction on a wide scale. You know, the Word of God says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Second verse, And the earth was out form and void. Third verse, And God said, Let there be. Right. And that's all we need to know. That's all right. we need to know. So we have a creationist view. So when you take this to a biology class, especially if you're in a public school, so you take it to a biology class, and you're going to get you're going to get an F because nine times out of ten your professor or your your, your teacher is going to be uh, a science teacher that does not believe in the creation story. He's not going to believe in creationism. He's going to believe in evolution. So he's going to teach you that well way back when 50 million years ago uh, this monkey started to evolve into um, the hominids. And first he went from the hominid to uh, to prehistoric man, and then he then after prehistoric man, then he became Homo sapien. There is no such thing. Not only is that stupid, it's not logical scientifically, but it's not logical biblically. Now let's look at the science facts for a second. 
DNA is is called deoxyribonucleic acid. It's it's the building block of all human information, all information, biological information. So in humans, you've got the double helix, and they have millions of information, genetic information. So if two parent, if if you if there's a mutation in the DNA, that does not mean that you're, you're going to turn into something else. You're, you're, you know, you've got maybe a dog, and you've got a, a a a wild dingo or a wolf. They're both species of dog. That doesn't mean they're two different species of dog. That doesn't mean that the dog evolved into a wolf and evolved into a dingo. It's all the same kind of. It's all. They're dogs. They're they're just different breeds, or they're different species of dogs. Just like they're different species of bees. Just like they're different species of rats. Just like they're different species of of uh, uh, cats, wild animals. Yeah. You know what? Let me uh, let me add let me add to what you're saying, because uh, I was. I was actually preparing for the show, and I thought we were going to talk about transhumanism, but uh, this kind of falls in the same, because transhumanism and evolution goes hand-in-hand when it it comes to the uh, doctrine of Satan. But Mm -hmm. uh, concerning evolution, as David was pointing out, you go back to Genesis, you know, God, uh, and I want to quote it verbatim again for people, who like to highlight their Bibles, uh, turn to your Bibles if you had it, have it, to Genesis 1 and 11. All right. And it says here, uh, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. Oh, his kind. So that means whatever herb yielding seed there was and it bore fruit, it'll, it'll bear fruit after its own kind. Orange tree produces orange fruit, and he mm-hmm. says, "He says whose seed is in itself." Again, the orange has the seed within itself. So when you eat the orange, you throw away the seeds; it gets replanted, and then it grows up to be an orange tree. It doesn't grow right. up to be a different type of tree. It grows up to be an orange tree, and the Bible says, "And it was so." Verse twelve. And the, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind, and a tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after its kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning was the third day. So we skip down to uh, the sixth day, uh, the fifth and the sixth day, in verse 20, Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. And God said that the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created the wells and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind. Kind, yep. Now, you know, uh, evolution teaches that uh, after the primordial soup evolved or the bacteria in the primordial soup evolved to turn into aquatic animals. And then from aquatic, it decided to, I guess, find out what it's like to be out of the water, then crawled up into the water. And well, what, what they did, 
What they did was they took the premise of a single-celled organism multiplying asexually and applied it to human life in the beginning. That's nothing like an amoeba. Uh, amoebas are single-celled single organisms, not human cells. Human cells go through a process known as mitosis. And God Bingo. knew what he was doing. Exactly. God, God knew what he was doing. You know, cells don't, they don't, you know, they're they're not one-celled organisms. We're not one-celled organisms. Otherwise, we'd be slithering around like snakes. Right, exactly. But as it says here, after his own kind. Right. After his own kind. So we're talking about whatever God created in the water, whatever animals was in the water, they had their own seed with inside of them. They produced after their own kind. And it says here, and every winged fowl after his kind. So we covered the aquatic animals and the uh, animals that fly in the air. Then we get to the sixth day, look at here. And God said that the earth brings forth every living creature after his kind and creeping and creeping things. And the beasts of the earth after his kind. Again, we see it over and over and over again how God put the the seed within this the particular kind of animal. As I tell my son, as I tell my daughter, and anybody, you know what I'm saying. When it comes to evolution, you've got to look. You got to look at what what makes sense. And you can't just like some people will say, "Oh, the Bible is not science." You know what I'm saying? It's not science, no, but it agrees with science when you really understand what science is. Science is nothing but a uh, an uh, observation of the physical universe uh, by observation and by experiment. So mm-hmm. unless, now unless, and my, oh my goodness, man, we really got to talk about this uh, transhumanism next week because this plays into a whole lot of areas we come to uh, the DNA and uh, uh, things of that nature. But, again, so it says here, so God created man in his own image, in the image mm-hmm. of God created him, and uh, male and female created he them. So when it comes to mankind, when it comes to animal kind, God produced, or God created everything to produce after its own kind. And this Correct. is where evolution gets gets it wrong. See, and looking at the word again, science, as I said, science pretty much means observation by experiment, uh, by experimentation or, or observation. Uh, you can't sit around and wait for evolution. You can't absor- uh, observe evolution because it takes billions and billions of years for it to occur. Nobody can ever say in their life, unless we're talking about on a micro level, micro level, not macro, M-A-C-R-O, we talk about on a micro level. You never, ever will ever see on a macro level one species change into a completely different species. The only way that will happen is if somebody went into a lab and crossbred the DNA between one species of animals and another species of animal or another kind. And, again, 
like I said, when we talk about uh, transhumanism, we're going to see how that actually took place uh, when the sons of God came down here and saw the daughters of men. But that's a whole totally different uh, uh, discussion there. But, again, uh, well, it kind of ties at, into what you're talking about. Well, what we're talking about, transhumanism. But, you know, you don't have yeah. to, like, go into it in depth like we are going to next week. Well, I'm not going, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to confuse anybody. But, right. you know, just keeping it nice and simple, looking at mm-hmm. the scriptures, the Bible says that God created each kind and it had its seed within itself. I'll tell you a story. I was at work one day. Uh, this was before. This was like uh, I was still a reservist, and I just got back. No, actually, this was right before I went to Iraq, and I saw one of my uh, uh, science teachers from way back, and he came up in there, and I said, "I said, hey, sir, I forgot his name." He said, "Um, let me ask you this question. Here's another one, okay?" I said, "Let me ask you this question. Our bodies are made up of." all the elements of the earth, right? He was like, yeah, uh, Mr. Hawkins. He can never pronounce my first name. Said, yeah, Mr. Hawkins. Uh, that, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, I'll, we got oxygen, lead, copper, iron, all this other stuff. Yeah, we, all of these things are part of our, our system. I said, now, where do they find these elements at? And he said, well, a lot of these uh, elements come from the earth. I said, okay, now, if I was to quote this scripture, Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul, is that a scientific statement? Can it be backed by science? Since you say that we can, uh, our bodies are made up of all the elements of the world, of all the elements of the earth, and these elements come from the dust of the ground, and he sat there for about a quick second. He was like, you know what? You've got an excellent point there. Yeah, that, that is a scientific statement. Now, if this is a scientific statement from the scriptures, why is it that they felt the need to take the scriptures out of the schools if they felt like the Bible wasn't scientific? I can pull 100 different scriptures out that are scientific which I feel like supports uh, supports the reason why the Bible should still be maintained in our schools. You can't pick up any other religious book and do that. Mm-mm. Uh, any questions, comments? Opening up the floor again. It's 1030. Uh, Jamel, uh, was that Daniel that was talking before? I'm sorry, I was running. I, I was running my mouth on mute. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> you, were, you were talking yeah, to yourself I, on I'm mute. Glad I that you, I'm glad that you guys touched on the separation or differentiation between microevolution and macroevolution, because in many cases, they attempt to push macro. I mean, micro as macro. Adaptability, mm-hmm. is, adaptability is what they attempt to push as evolution or their, as their evidence of evolution. When well, that makes no sense. I mean, if, 
like you said earlier, we have a double helix. If in chance we had a broken strand or strain in our DNA, it would just create a variation of what already is. Yeah. Does that exactly. make any sense? It doesn't, it doesn't change what is off top. You can't, if you went into a museum, for instance, and took a slab of paint and just swiped across the Mona Lisa, it is still the Mona Lisa. It is just a ruined Mona Lisa. It doesn't change the fact that it's the Mona Lisa. Yeah, it doesn't. Right. It's not altered to the point where you, it's unrecognizable. You know, like, for instance, like you just said, we have, there's a variation. There's variations of species. Like, there's variations of birds. You know, I've already explained that the way DNA works. You know, like I said, it's a, a double uh, helix filled with billions and billions of genetic information. Now, if you have a break-off within that strand of DNA or a quote-unquote mutation, then you've got cancer. You don't have, you know, uh, an alteration or a denaturation where the body is undergoing a metamorphosis. Right. Now, that's a good science fiction novel, but, I mean, it's not... (laughs) This is not science, but this is what's being pushed in, in our school system, and this is why by the time they graduate from college and you get into a conversation with them, it's like talking to it, it, it's like you're talking over their head because everything that you're saying makes sense, but it doesn't make sense to them. Right? It doesn't make sense to them. Like this whole gap theory thing, there is no gap theory. Right. Let me get into that real quick. All right. And I this is I understood this uh, gap theory as an attempt to bridge the scriptures and evolution together. And I read this book called Defeating Darwinism. Uh, I forgot the author's name, uh, but it's in there on my bookshelf, and I read it probably. Close to almost ten years ago, and it pointed out something that I already uh, I felt already felt like you know what I'm saying like people who believe in the gap theory was trying to do, but a lot of them uh, because a lot of them who believe in the gap theory are you know professing Christians, and I realized from reading that book that my my assumptions were right. A lot of people believe in a gap theory because they can't accept that the Genesis account is a literal account. It's a literal six-day creation. God created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. Now, some people will pull uh, Peter, I think it's Second Peter, where he says that a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And even while we were in uh, Black Planet, Dave, now, I started to I started to gravitate towards the gap theory because at first I couldn't I couldn't understand the literal six day creation and I actually tried to apply the thousand years of a day and a day a thousand years uh, to the whole creation theory but it didn't work because even under the uh, the uh, evolutionary theory you have thirteen point seven billion years. So if I minus 6,000 years from that, then I still don't have the billions of years. The, uh, I think it's uh, the uh, six, uh, 6 billion years to account 
apart from well, not even six billion. Uh, I think it's like thirteen. I didn't have the billions of years to account for the missing years if I was to use that equation. So I threw that out the window and honestly realized that it wasn't talking about creation at all. That is talking about God's perseverance towards us that God could have destroyed the world a long time ago, and uh, but instead, you know, he allowed these things to go on because he wants every man to come to the knowledge of Christ. This is this this is a ex- uh, perfect example of God's love towards mankind. He allowed all these things to take place because he wants everybody to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and be saved. So, what do we do with 13.7 billion years? It's a lie. It's all a lie. When you look at Exodus, Exodus says when Moses is talking to the to the Hebrews, he says. Six days you should work. On the seventh day, on the Sabbath, you shall rest. Why? Because in six days, in six days, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, and he rested on the seventh. So if I allow the scriptures to interpret scripture, then I'm going to take what Moses said and take it literally. Now, what about this gap theory, though? Now, the gap theory, like I said, was an attempt, is an attempt to bridge creation and evolutionary theory together. The problem here is the Bible has no room for a gap theory. And the gap theory pretty much teaches that um, between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 that Billions of years, maybe millions, millions or billions of years transpired between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, where Satan fell. After he fell, he caused the earth to be uh, void and formless, and then God had to start over. When yeah, that's I heard not that. Case. Yeah, that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know some people will probably use that Isaiah scripture that says, you know, Isaiah said, I saw the earth as it was uh, tovu, uh, tovu, I don't even want to try to quote it right now, but you said <laughs> Hebrew, I'm going to try to find it, I'm going to try to find it, but I think he said, I saw the world as it was void or something like that. Yeah, he said it was void and formless. All yeah. Right. All right, and Genesis 1-2, let me go here, said the earth was void and formless. Yeah, tohu bahu, ba, tohu bahu. Yeah, try speaking that Klingon. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, it means emptiness. And what what happened is in the gap theory, they say that when Satan fell, he caused the earth to become void and formless. Again, that's not true. Mm-hmm. We see a, a consistent, a consistent creative process in the book of Genesis. On the first day, God created and said, and it was done. On the second day, He created and it was done. On the third day, God said and it was created, it was done. As you can see, the earth was empty, and God just simply began to fill it up. Okay. Second, 
part about the gap theory that's uh, messed up is if you have if you have a fallen angel and one third of the angels that's all fallen while God is creating on the on the sixth day or on the seventh day where God saw all that He made. The Bible says he saw everything, everything, not some of the things, but everything that he created, it was very good. He even put the emphasis on very. It was very good. So that means that uh, Lucifer, his angels, all the angels, the earth, Adam and Eve, the animals, all of it was good, very good. So in the gap theory doesn't leave room. For, for that. But as I said earlier, it's just an attempt to merge evolution together uh, with the scriptures. And this is one of the dangers, or one of the things I, I spoke about on the thread, where I would say weird doctrines come out of this. Now, whether it's a, a, a salvation issue, uh, I don't think so, but... Uh, if somebody is just, I guess, dogmatic about it, it can probably end up being a salvation issue if they ignore the creative power or deny the creative power of the Holy Ghost because then you're pretty much blaspheming the Holy Ghost. But if people just generally, if they don't know, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that's out there that have well and they. They have well intentions, they have good intentions, but are just simply uh, ignorant on the subject. But, again, this whole thing about the gap theory and 13.7 billion years ago God created, no, it didn't happen. It didn't mm-hmm. happen at all. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, going back to the creation of man, uh, as I pointed out earlier, evolution doesn't fit. It, it just doesn't fit because God created man, first of all, in his image. We're created in the image of God. So that's, that's almost a slap in the face of God to say that we came from monkeys because God don't look like no monkey. <clears throat> yeah, we use the adage, well, God doesn't make any mistakes. Well, you're saying that he did. Yeah. But um, th- thank you for that. Um, and what time is it? I think, yeah, it's quarter of. Um, I'm going to say something else about all of this leading to. I'm going to spend about maybe 15 minutes, and then around 11 o'clock, I'm going to open the floor up for more questions and answers or whatever. So. As Najiti already explained in his dissertation, this all lead, led to the rise of communism, the rise of fascism, and the rise of dictators and totalitarian governments because these individuals, you know, they they, they subscribed to a worldview that was totally outside of biblical uh they they're totally outside to the the realm of biblical truth 
And so now here we are in 2015, and you go to any school, I don't care, any college or universities for that matter, and we're talking about education. So we might as well just talk about the whole thing, you know, as opposed to just talking about from grade school on. You might if as well I might, talk about. And I, I'm, I promise it won't derail your premise. Um, given the importance of the fact that they're trying to merge evolution with creationism, I think it's really important to point out exactly what that verse 2, was it, GT? Genesis 1, verse 2? Uh-huh. I think it's important to point out exactly what it is that that particular scripture is saying. Verse 2 was there. There is no gap, like you said. There is no gap. All that verse emphasizes is the emptiness of the world without God. The same thing can be applied to man, in a sense. In fact, I'd even go as far as saying, not even just metaphorically, but literally, the emptiness of a man without God, because without God we have no we have no point, no no reason for existence. The exact same thing is for the earth in the beginning. It was completely empty, without void. There was no reason for it to be there until God filled it. Well, I would say um I would say that there there was a reason for it to be there and the reason was so God could fill it up, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. That's actually, that's the point I was trying to emphasize. Maybe I just worded it wrong. Okay. But, yeah, um, and the earth was without form and and darkness was upon the face of the deep. It's like, in grammar, it's like, okay, uh, if I can put it this way, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and this is how the earth was when he created it. And then God began to fill it up. If I was to reword it that way, that's how I would reword it. Like, this is how it looked when God created it, and uh, this is how it looked when God created it, and this is what he began to do when he started to fill it up. But a lot of people will argue for that tohu vavavu, forgive me if I'm tearing that up, uh, that, that void and darkness. Because it means, uh, what are saying? They they use the word, and the earth was without form. Tohu, there it goes. They try to say that it became chaotic. It became void and formless because of the fall of Satan. But as I explained earlier, that that couldn't be because at the end of the discourse, he said that when God created everything. It was very good. It was very good. Okay. Um, I guess I can get back to what I was saying earlier, um, if I can remember. Uh, We were talking about, well, earlier I I was saying something about communism, how communism was able to, to... to become fully manifested in our culture now, a lot of communist views are being accepted amongst, you know, people, especially now, people of color. You know, you, you, you find that a lot of people of color are accepting socialism 
more so than anybody that I've known. And this is the and the reason for that is the taking out of the Bible, the, the removal of the uh, biblical precepts from the public school system, and the removal of one key, one other key figure or one other key fact factor is, is that it's called critical thinking. We're not told or we're not taught how to think critically. And, and how do I do that? What, what is critical thinking? Well, critical thinking basically is I take a piece of information and I disseminate it piece by piece and I come to my own conclusion. I don't just sit and listen to the, what the professor is saying and just buy it because he he, he, he articulates it well or he makes it believable no i take you know i i i you know if if the if what i'm looking at if i'm looking at a film or a documentary and that person that wrote the documentary or did or you know the narrator on that particular film is disseminating truth then i have to examine it by the word of god and how do I do that? Well, I search the scriptures to see whether those things are so. That's what the Bereans did when Paul was preaching the gospel to them. And that's, in a sense, critical thinking. But not today. You know, we're not, they're not taught that today in the school system. What they're taught is to listen to anything that the teacher is telling them. It's called indoctrination. I'm going to just parody. I'm going to take what he says or she says as gospel truth and then I graduate with a degree or a diploma, whatever it is, and then all I do is parrot what I was taught. And that's nothing more than, that's not learning. That's not how a person learns. This is why you've got so many people who I guess are functionally illiterate because they're not able to disseminate information properly. And so this is why so many people, especially people of color, they accept Communism. They accept Barack Obama as the man of the people because he's black, and he's not really black, but he's mixed. But you know, he's he's black, so since he is the same skin color as I am, everything that comes out of his mouth is going to be like liquid gold. Everything that comes out of Hillary Clinton's mouth is going to be like liquid gold, even though she's not even black at all. Everything that comes out of any of these pro-blacks mouths. Or it's going to be liquid gold because, hey, you know, white people have been keeping us as slaves since this, that, and the other, and they've been oppressing us and keeping us for, from getting our 42 acres in a mule. I still don't know what that is, but I'll, I'll find out one of these days. But, you know, they're, they're keeping us from all of these things, from gaining equality with the white man. So since they've kept us from doing that, I am going to adhere to a philosophy that is totally anti-Christ, no matter how you shake it. And this is what's happening. This is what's given rise to a lot of the, 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 the civil rights movement. We touched on that at, uh, at a previous show. I think it was last week. We touched on the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, and how Martin Luther King became a star pretty much overnight. Why? Because he was telling 
the black church what they wanted to hear. Was he a Christian? Not by a long shot. He denied the essentials of the Christian faith. He said that God was unknowable, that the word of God was untenable, which means it couldn't be understood. He said that the Jesus Christ being the Son of God is as ridiculous as, I forget how he put it, but as um, it was just ridiculous and it was just insane and it, could, it wasn't logical. So there you have it. He wrote in an essay. A lot of his papers were, for, uh, were, were plagiarized when he went to Crozier Seminary out in Chester. All of those papers were, were plagiarized. One paper he did was plagiarized by, from a, a, a noted theologian by the name of Harry Fosdick. So, but the public and the, the liberal media pasted him or placed in front of us this guy, and they made him into a god, just like they did Barack Obama. Barack Obama was just as unsaved as you can possibly be. He was for the rights for homosexuals to get married. He uh, was for abortion, even to the point, even to the extent of if they survived an abortion attempt, they were to be left on the table to die. Now, how evil is that? But all of us accepted Barack Obama with open arms. He even said on television when he was talking to Joe the Plumber, he said, well, when you spread the wealth around, it's good for everybody. Redistribution of wealth, that's socialist. It's a socialist tenant. But nobody knew because were we taught were we taught anything about communism and what it really was in high school? No. We were taught to accept socialism. We were taught to accept the the idea of the government taking care of us and running every aspect of our lives. Because again, it was the dumbing down of the populace and it was proven to be successful. No no child left behind started by George Bush. That was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. That pretty much that created a, a huge problem for uh, graduating students because a lot of them graduated under uh, uh, graduated not not having the essentials of education they needed to go on to get better jobs. I mean, they came out of uh, high school worse off than they than they ever would have. Yeah. So this is the result of this is why communism didn't it it, it it didn't have a problem make you know showing its ugly face because we were all talking about we were all saying during the eighties that communism is dead because um Reagan went to uh Germ- the, to the Berlin Wall and well he he went to Russia actually and he told Gorbachev to tear down the wall that was separating Russia from Germany or something like that. So he said, communism is now dead. We bought it. We we believe that, well, there's no such thing as communism anymore. Really? So let's fast forward all the way up to 1990, uh, well, let me see. Well, 1991, when George Bush Sr. gave his inaugural address, well, not inaugural address, when when he gave his uh, speech and he said, you know, uh, the new world, he was talking about the new world order. 
openly in front of Congress. Now, right. you can't tell me that Congress didn't know what he was talking about, because they did. Yeah, they all know. They all know exactly what he's talking about. That term, that term, New World, New World Order, has been uh, spewed out of the mouths of so many politicians from the creation of the Club of Rome. Even before then, as I pointed out in another show, uh, Albert Pike, he gave the blueprints as to how they should build or bring in the New World Order and using communism to start the First World War and the Second World War. And I also want to touch back on that word you used earlier, liberals. Now, we know we did a show on liberalism in the church, and we know that uh, – being liberal, by definition, you know, is somebody who uh, somebody who actually cares about uh, the downtrodden and, and things of that nature. But uh, the word liberal has been hijacked by communists because, mm-hmm. again, you know what I'm saying? They take the word liberal and they look at it like re yeah they redefine words and they look at it like take take the property from other people and equally distribute it. You know, like, it doesn't matter how hard you worked. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how hard people like, uh, like uh, people who actually went out there, struggled from, from their early beginnings and made it out of the hole. No, you can't have a, a, a luxury car because Joe Blow out there on the street he needs to have a, a car as well. So we're going to take yours. Everybody's going to have the same. This is the same thing that happened in uh, Cuba. They started, yep. uh, I, and I, I had a neighbor who was from uh, from Cuba, and she described to the T exactly everything that happened uh, under Castro. You know what I'm saying? Mm. As people, working class families were, uh, you know what I'm saying, they, they made – good money, and they had a lot of material wealth, but then Castro came in, and he took their stuff and made everybody uh, it made everybody at one um, social level, and, uh, and that's pretty much that was poverty. He put everybody at the poverty level of, uh, of the econ- of, in the economic uh, spectrum of things, and he pretty much him and his administration lives live high on the uh, live high on the hall, and that's exactly what we see going on today. The middle class is being attacked. Uh, more taxes taxes are put on the middle class, and although yeah, they're trying to make the rich pay a fair share of their taxes and stuff, but there are still other types of loopholes that they can get through. So you know this whole and as a matter of fact. When we talk about communism, communism is the same. It's going. To, communism is the same type of government that the Antichrist will have, and but it's going to be global. Yeah, um, what you just got finished describing earlier was uh, the elimination of the social class. Um. That's what communism, that's what the communists wanted. They wanted to eliminate the social classes. So it's not rich and poor, it's just everybody's in, in poverty or everybody's equal. 
you know, everybody is equal. So there's no one making more money than the other person, and then that person has to reach a certain level of whatever. No, it's everybody on the same plane, on the same playing field. That's what I hear a lot of. Oh Lord, please forgive me for saying this. I hear a lot of um, a lot of younger blacks saying we should make it equal on you know making an equal playing field so that uh, we can be where the white man is economically. So that's what socialism is: the elimination of the classes and. And that's what communism is, actually. You know, socialism is, is leads to commun- uh, communism, but it's the same thing, basically. It's it's the same thing, and and that's what we're seeing. That's what a lot of these politicians that we see lying through their teeth on television, talking to us about how things are going to be better under their administration, and I'm going to separate this, and I'm going to uh, eliminate that, and I'm going to get... You know, everybody's going to have a job. Everybody's going to have everything. Everybody's going to be it's, it's, it's this one huge communist utopia, and it's going to be good for everybody. Isn't that the same thing Adolf Hitler said when he nationalized the banks? And Before he nationalized the banks, he nationalized the school system. He nationalized the health care. He nationalized, he tried to... Um, to you know, to nationalize, to you know, fix all the roads and all that, and he was doing every all this stuff for Germany, and everybody fell in love with him until he dropped the hammer. Right, he dropped that's the hammer. Exactly, that's exactly how it's going to happen uh, with America. I I believe uh, the more and more Americans come away from uh, Christ, we're going to see more and more of uh, these things take place. It's, I think somebody on one of the shows brought up how the Jews wanted Samson as a king, and they actually rejected the Lord. And that's how that's how that yeah I'm sorry Saul. Uh, that's the mindset a lot of many Americans have today. You know when Obama came into office, you know I mean people were I mean you should have saw you probably did see it. The amount of people crying, people, I mean, they actually, people started stomping and uh, praising God and running up and down the aisle and speaking in tongues and passing out. And I said, man, this is like that Nimrod effect. This is like that. Nimrod effect. That, that's what I called it. It's like it's that, that Nimrod effect. Uh, but, you know what I'm saying, a lot of us uh, as Christians, and not just Christians were black Christians. We saw all through that facade. We saw through that. And then we even had other Christians calling us coons and self-haters. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, we part of a self-destructive mindset. We need to get over ourselves and we holier than thou. But then eight years later, look at where we at. Look at where we at. Yeah, they all you know telling us, they were telling us that you know, uh, we're part of the problem and that we bought into the white man's system and this, that, and the other. Right. So, and then uh, to think again back on the uh, topic of education, mm-hmm. now, 
anybody who's listening who or who will listen later on, I encourage you to read the book by William Cooper called Behold the Pale Horse because he talks about extensively how the education system was targeted to dumb down the American people because the only thing the ruling elite wanted is uh, cattle. All they want mm-hmm. is cattle. And the only thing cattle is good for is for hard labor. Yep. The only the jobs that's really going to be available is jobs like Walmart or uh, or factory jobs. They bring in people from China. They bring in uh, people from different countries. To That's who they're hiring. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, even uh, some, even going to college, going to college and getting a degree, now when people are coming out of college and not having a job to go to because these mm-hmm. jobs are not relevant. And then, you know, people ask the question, should Christians get involved in politics? Uh, I think very much so that Christians should be involved in politics because uh, if your vote counts at the local level, I say at the local level, and if we can move and congregate and come together as an assembly to protest against unjust laws and things of that nature at the higher levels and they, and they actually make a difference, then we ought to do it. If it's in our power to do it, then we ought to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, me personally, no. I'm not going to vote because I already know that my vote and everybody else's vote doesn't count because they're going to put whoever they want in the president uh, in the presidency as they want. However, on the local, local issues, yeah, I'll vote all day. On the higher levels, uh, I'll sign petitions. I'll make my, my, my concerns known. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll even call my congressman. I'll be like, hey, I don't like what you're doing. Y'all need to change, change the situation up there because we vote locally for our Congress, our, our representatives. But when it comes to the president, uh, I'm 100% sure they put in who they want to put in. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure of that, too. We see that. Yeah. And then the whole thing with uh, again with evolution is like evolution now is going to is now playing a part in the whole new age movement because again if man if God didn't create man and man is simply there's two ways this is going to happen man, God didn't create man and man just so happens to evolve from an ape and what we evolve into billions of years from now, we don't know. We might be biomechanical, maybe even uh, 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 spiritual entities or whatever. But in another scenario, when you include the UFO <clears throat> UFO deception, they're going to start saying that, oh, well, while you all were evolving, while the humans were evolving or beginning to evolve, we came down and planted our DNA with y'all's, and this is how you all became different from the monkeys and so on and so on. And a lot of people are going to bite onto it because we have this phenomenon with us right now. So I see in the near future, in the very near future, because the UFO phenomenon is taking place so rapidly 
around the world that they're going, and like even the Pope, the Pope, they look, they got a Lucifer device or a Lucifer satellite up in, um, I think it's in Arkansas or Nevada. I think it's in Nevada uh, where they are looking for UFOs. And mm-hmm. they, believe, they believe that when, if, when the UFOs come, that we're going to have to uh, drop everything we learned about God and the Bible and Jesus Christ and depend on these extraterrestrial beings for our further uh, for for further guiding us in our way of life. When in that in actuality, we know that the UFOs or the great aliens or whatever they're nothing but fallen angels. But that too is a different discussion. Yeah, um, I I uh, am of the persuasion that uh, education is just, you know, uh, when, when I went to college, I thought maybe I would have, uh, I would be able to find a, a job, and I only graduated with a, an associate's, I don't have a bachelor's, um, I don't know, maybe it would have been better if I did, but uh, I want to go back, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, because I see now that you're, you're not going to be taught how to think critically. You know, you're, you're only going to be taught how to parrot the information that your professor just disseminated into you. And, you know, a pastor told me a, a while ago, maybe about two or three years ago, that there was a history professor... At, that worked for Temple University here in Philly that was a socialist, an admitted <laughs> socialist. And I'm like, he's teaching at Temple University and he's a socialist? So could you imagine how many people, how many students he's exposing, how many students he's teaching? Well, I'm, I'm all too familiar with that. I experienced the same thing with a very... Uh famous guy, professor. Uh, he considered himself a religious studies master or professional. His name is Bart Ehrman. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of eased that in there, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you, you just eased that right on in there. I mean, I had to. He's He teaches at seminaries and things of that nature, yet he completely denies the deity of Jesus Christ. doesn't make sense. Sheep in wolf's clothing. Yeah, exactly. And and so we've got even pastors that are accepting communism, socialism. They're, they're accepting this socialist uh, construct. How many pastors do you know, and I'm talking about pastors now, that have went out on a full, you know, they, they really, really, were happy when Obama got elected the first time. How many pastors do you know when, well, like, when you walk in a church? Like, I walked in a few churches. Uh, well, not a few, but maybe one. My uncle's church. Uh, he has Pat, uh, Obama on like a, a picture or a placard of Obama and his family. As soon as you walk in the in, in the uh, in the church, it's right on the wall, on the side wall, in the vestibule. And that's sad, too, because Obama, I mean, like, he done made it 
so much harder for Christians since he's been in office. I mean, like, under him, like, the persecution of Christians has risen tremendously. Now, I know some people might say, well, it's not his fault. No, it's not his fault, but at the same time, you can't say you want to send troops to Syria or we need to support Syria getting rid of Assad because he's oppressing the people, but totally ignore the cries of Christians in Arabic countries. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he's come out of his mouth and said that the future doesn't even belong to people who insult the prophet of Islam. And he said, and again, we have pastors who are who can't seem to separate their ethnicity from their faith. It makes it even that much harder to try and educate people on the things that's going on in this world, especially dealing with education. You know, like uh, my wife put up a post the other day about how they now this is a homeschool curricular, but uh, they send they send they send us uh, things from the state or things that can be counted as uh, as counted towards school credit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, you know, in division, this is like one or two processes. You know, you look at the word, you write it down. I mean, you look at the equation, and you solve it. They had this mm-hmm. boy doing five or six different uh, different steps to get, to get a simple answer, like uh, 15 divided by five. Like, he got to go, what was it? Fifty what? Oh, fifty six. Fifty six. Fifty six divided by seven. <laughs> this boy had to go all the way up the street, around the corner, dig a hole, and then come back with the answer. Well, I remember back in the day where all I had to do was go up to the board and solve it, and that's it. Yeah. But again, this is like you said, dumbing down of the children of America. They want the, our children to be uneducated, unintelligent, not able to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. And they they promote they promote all this mess on TV so the kids' brains are already getting scrambled up. And yeah, they're all the fact that they're not getting, a, getting a good education in school. They they're going to be ready to uh, hit the uh the slave the slave mines in the in the fields when they come out of school. Well, they're not going to be able to read. So, I mean, <laughs> By the time they, they do want. graduate, I'm sorry. I said that's what they want. They don't want your child knowing how to read. They don't mm. want your child speaking proper. As a matter of fact, as a black man, if you speak proper, even people within your own race will tell you, "Oh, you sound white." This is the oh mindset. Oh my God! Please don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the mindset. This is the mindset. Seriously, this is the mindset of people today. You can't. Uh, there was a video of a little boy who came home because he he made the A on roll. Then his friends jumped him. They yeah, beat him up. Yeah, I saw up. that. I saw that. I saw. I that. mean, they were all they 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 went to jail though for assault. But you know, I, I saw that. Right around the corner from me too. Right around the corner from me. 
Oh yeah, you are in Philly. Yeah, yeah. He uh he was going to King. He was coming home, and they jumped him. I'm like, how tough do you have to be to jump one guy? And nobody helped him. And I'm like, this is all because he made the honor roll? And so he made the honor roll, and you guys are going to be repeating the same grade. Okay. So you're mad at him for that. Yep. That's that's actually a perfect example of what, what they like to accuse us of, the Willie Lynch syndrome. Yeah. Apparently, since we talk, since we speak properly, they immediately say we take up the white man. Oh, we're this, we're that, we're Uncle Tom, so on and so forth. Yet, they're the ones that are executing exactly what's in that letter verbatim. Yeah, I don't know how many people that I've spoken with over the phone that have told me that I don't sound how I look. You know, and, and I, you know, sometimes I was Skyping with somebody, and I know this doesn't really have, well, it does. But, you know, I was Skyping with somebody a while ago, probably over the summer, and this person says to me, oh, you don't sound how you look. <laughs> said, First of all, how do you know how I sound when, when I don't have a microphone? I'm typing, so how do you know how I sound? But she, we were talking on the phone previously, so... You know, when she saw my picture, when she saw my face, it kind of threw her off, I guess. And she and and so the person just decided to to say what she said. But it's it's a shame. Even you know, when I was growing up, I had it rough. When I was growing up in high school and and going to middle school, especially middle school, I was teased unmercifully, and I got in the fights because of it. And I said, okay, I got to calm this down because I'm graduating soon. So. Um, but I was teased excessively because, you know, of the way that I spoke, how I articulated. I was passing spelling tests without even studying because I had that kind of memory. And people, the kids didn't understand, so they got, you know, they would tease me. And then the, the teachers didn't know how to teach me because I had, you know, I, I had a uh, a photogenic memory well, that's what my the, the psychologist told me when I went to see him. When when I was going to uh, elementary school, I was told to see a school psychologist. And uh, after I was, you know, I, I was told I had to take all these exams, these tests. And so they said, "Well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with your son. As a matter of fact, your son has a very, very good memory." And so <clears throat> that's on my record. So going back to school, I'm not. That's why I wasn't. You know, I didn't study for anything. I didn't pick up a book. I didn't study for that stuff. I just knew it. Just knew it. All you had to do was tell me once, and it's in my head. So I would, when it come time for the test, I would pass it. And so the kids just bullied me excessively until I had to fight back because I got tired of the excessive bullying and I wanted to learn, but. The environment was getting so bad that even back in the 80s, it was getting so bad that it was becoming more and more impossible to learn under those conditions. You know, you're being stressed out because you're worried about Joe Blow and and Marcus and no, his name's not Marcus. We're talking about black kids, right? So we got to give them ghetto names. His name was uh, J. Marquavius and Little Buki and Pee Wee. You know, you know, you got to worry about them beating you, wanting to beat you up after school. So your anxiety level is high, is heightened, 
And you can't learn under those conditions. And then the, the student, the teachers are not going to do anything because they don't, they're afraid. They're just as about as afraid of the kids as you are. Right. So so that that's the environment that a lot of kids are having to learn. And now it's ten times worse than it was when I was going. You know, now you've got fist fights and you've got folks snapping out and shooting the whole school down, killing teachers. There's one kid over here in uh, George Washington High School that attacked a teacher. Uh, attacked a teacher over what? A cell phone. Ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. A cell phone? Yep, that's true. I remember seeing that. So this is this is what and this is why you have so like you said in the GT you hit the nail right on the head. They're not they're gra- they're not if they're graduating at all they're graduating and they're not able to read they're not able they're not literate they're not literate. So they the, the only thing they can do you might as well forget about going to college if they do go to college they got to take two and three remedial courses just to become co- a collegiately. Uh, you know, just so that they can become collegiately um, profitable or collegiately um, applicable, applicable. And so, when but they don't do, they don't go to school, they don't go to college usually. They'll just get a job at Walmart, Walgreens, or, or Rite Aid, or um, some other uh, uh place like that and they'll get paid seven or eight dollars an hour and that's what the elite wants. They want you so you can't start a family on an eight dollar an hour salary. Can't do that. Not only eight now I'm not saying that it's not honest work, but who that's not a career. You can't start a family working. But that's what they want. They want you to do that because you're not educated enough to get a job, you know, working in the library. Because first of all, you can't read. So if you can't read, then you're not able to get on the computer and look up a name. If someone walks up to you and says, "Oh, I'm looking for a, uh, the Age of Enlightenment by Robert," I'm making up a name, Robert Panson. Well, you, if you're illiterate, you can't get on the computer and type up the name of the author. Uh huh. You know, you can't do that. So. You don't have the necessary skills to to make that to make the kind of money to take care of a family or to balance a checkbook or anything. So these are the essentials that you need for to govern your own life. And the the public school system is robbing our children of that. That's why a lot of parents are opting to take their children out of these schools and homeschool them. And so now the powers that be in government are trying to take that away from you from from you. Yeah, you know what? I would I would encourage everyone that has kids in school to really, really pay attention to the curriculum that they are learning at school and try to counter anything that is unbiblical uh, because, you know, now they want kids to be gender-friendly. Uh, oh, Lord, yeah. Not to be homophobes and all kinds of things. Like, uh, I mean, like, my daughter almost got in trouble because she said Santa Claus wasn't real, you know? And it's just the things that you would think kids would be sent home for, like a child wearing a Jesus Christ shirt uh, at school, suspended. But 
hmm. kids can walk around in school with marijuana shirts with the leaf on it or shirts with the with the middle finger up and all kinds of things. This is the society that we live in today. So mm-hmm. I would really, really, really encourage the parents to please, please, Pay attention to what your kids are learning in school, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know what I'm saying. Have Bible studies with your children. Explain the scriptures to them, uh, because when it comes to things, especially like evolution, like uh, kids really they they are very impressionable. You know, like you can tell them almost anything and they believe it. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to a lot of kids in uh, in public schools when it came to evolution. So, mm-hmm. so how much uh, you want to take this further, or you want to close out? Uh, it's eleven thirty. Wow. Um, a, a quick story, actually. Oh, okay. We taught my daughter. You know how to say grace before she eats. I don't even like calling it grace, but we taught my our daughters how to pray before they eat. Um, my middle child is in Head Start, and she went to school. You know, she would say grace before she eats. She came home one day, and she was saying a little rhyme. I thought it was something that was cool that she learned in school, until I noticed that she would only say this little rhyme before she ate. What is would you believe if I'm not asking? She would say, uh, how's it go, babe? Uh, uh, the sun goes up, the sun goes down, the world keeps spinning around and around. I love you and you love me, and that's the way it ought to be. Thank you for the skies and the, thank you for the rain and the stormy weather. Mm-hmm. That's good eats. Let's eat up. That's what they would say before they eat. No, it's bon appetit. Bon appetit. I'm sorry, <clears throat> but I thought for a long time Strange. I thought it was just like a little. You know what I mean? I thought it was just a little nursery rhyme or something that you learned. This is in Head yes. Start. I might add. This is in Head Start. I might add. But I really I picked up on the fact that she only said it before she ate. Nip that in the butt immediately. Now, if they're still doing it in school, it's an entirely different story, and I had to check on that myself. One day I'm going to take off about a week from work and go in there and see what's going on, just kind of observe if that makes any sense. But um, yeah. if I don't like it, I'm pulling it flat out. <laughs> yeah, it sounds <laughs> like some type of, some type of uh, chant. I, you know, I, I don't know. A lot of these now, my question lines, is, who are, they talk, who are they talking to by saying, Thank you for the rain and the stormy weather. Who are they talking to? It it sounds a little like multiculturalism. Like, see, a lot of your your witchcraft and all of that, they they learn multiculturalism, that everybody is the same. Everybody, you know, is, you know, and and be careful. Be pleased because multiculturalism is a buzzword. For you having to accept alternative lifestyles, homosexuality, lesbianism, uh, a lot of religious beliefs that are not uh, ascribed in, in, well, not subscribed in scripture, 
And, you know, when when I went to my first year in my in college, I was taking a class well, I was taking classes at a community college out outside of the, uh of Philly and the first uh, during orientation, we had to have multicultural class. So this lady comes in and starts talking to us about differences in people. And so I thought it was okay on the surface, you know, she's talking about us accepting people for who they are until she started talking about homosexuals, sexual orientation. And I said, oh, wait a minute. Multiculturalism is a buzz. Yeah, it's not a culture at all. But see, this is what's being taught in a lot of multicultural classes. And that's why they have them in colleges and universities now. So even in public schools, they have teachers that will come in and they will brainwash their children or indoctrinate their children uh, with with these types of views. And so they come home with questions like, you know, is mommy and daddy supposed? Is mommy and mommy supposed to be together in the, in a in a in a relationship? And so now the parent who don't know anything about nothing, they'll well, the average parent, they'll they'll sit there and look at the child, like, oh, uh, I don't know, son, uh, you know. So the son the 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 son is already confused. The damage has already been done. Damage has already been done unless that parent is sold out for Christ and he sits him down and says, No, two men are not supposed to be together sexually. Yeah. And it depends on how old the child is, but, you know, if the child is 10 or above, talk to him. Say, Hey, whoa, hold on a second. Two men are not supposed to be together. I would say even younger than that because they targeting children younger than that. Yeah. They targeting uh, first and second graders. They targeting them. Yeah, five and six-year-olds. They're they're teaching them how to put on contraceptives. You know, sex classes at five and six. Obama wants to have sex education for, for children who are in kindergarten. Yeah, so, um, in fact, I pulled, I pulled Israel, we pulled Israel out of public school in third grade, uh, not simply because he was having uh, uh, problems in his uh, academics, but mainly one of the number one reasons because they trying to teach third graders about sex education. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's exactly what I was saying. So... First, they want your child to think like an animal. They remove God from the school. Now they got your children thinking like animals. Now they want to, uh, uh, they, and then they bring in all these, cra- uh, these crazy uh, academics, how to, how to solve a problem with six or seven steps when they only take one step. So they well, the reason why I think they make it so difficult is so that the child itself becomes detached from wanting to learn and focuses on the other things in the curriculum, such as sexual education and things of that nature. Now, I could just be spewing foolishness. It's very so possible. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. But that's the (laughs) only thing that makes sense to me. I mean, children think on a really, really, really fundamental level. Whatever entertains them is what they're focused on. Does that make any sense? 
Well, yeah, it, it does. Uh, you, you mm-hmm. were, the problem was what uh, fifty-seven into what? I couldn't. I didn't. I don't remember the the, the exact equation. What was it? GT. Uh, I forgot the equation. Oh, you, oh, uh, fifty-six divided by seven. And he had to go from down the street, up around the corner, and dig a hole. <laughs> But yeah, um, like I was saying, like I was saying, so now they get your child confused, not believing in what the Bible says, literally, and now they want to teach your kids sexual education. I'm I telling you, my kid, some kids are coming out of the schools, graduating, not having any real understanding of the world that they are about to take on. Yeah, but, you know, that's why we as parents are commanded to teach our kids the ways of the Lord so that when they get older, they won't turn from it. Like, I'm, I pray that, we, that we're doing good with Israel. You know what I'm saying? Israel has an unusual understanding of the scriptures. As a matter of fact, he understands the scriptures a lot better than his own uh, school curriculum. <laughs> you know hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you can see something crazy. Like, we went on a camping trip. I posted it uh, over the summer. We went camping with one of my battle buddies I was in Iraq with. And him and Israel got into a discussion about reincarnation. Notice what I just said. Him and my son got into a discussion about reincarnation. Now, mm-hmm. although Israel didn't know what it was, when he told him the definition, my son straightforwardly said, well, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> hmm. so, so, you know, stuff like that, you know, I'm grateful for, and I just pray that all the other parents teach their children in the same way. Don't hold back. You know what I'm saying? Don't be afraid to tell them. Ain't no such thing as no Santa Claus or the Easter egg bunny and the mm, Yeah, we already, we already did that. My oldest daughter had to write a letter to Santa in school. And the letters are going to be read aloud in class. So we made sure her letter says, Dear Santa, we know you don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> and, and be sure to say, to the, the, to have her say to the entire class, now I know I'm going to get kicked out for this, so I'm just going to have my fun right now. And then she can start reading. Oh, and by the way, 56 uh, into, into 7 is 8. <laughs> yeah, eight times seven is fifty-six. So if eight times seven is fifty-six, then that's all division is is multiplica- multiplication backwards, or multiplication in reverse. So he had to run all do all this other stuff just to find the answer. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> no, not not literally, but I'm just saying like. Whatever process he had to go through, he might as well went up the street. Oh, I thought that's what he literally had to do. I'm like, wait a minute. What, just to find out that the answer is only eight? Okay. I'm going to, like, really, have, you know, have that man's head examined. But, um, yeah, this, this education system is really, 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 really uh, messing up our children and 
So by the time they they're our age, they they can't really understand what the world the world around them. They they don't understand the world, and so that's why they accept communism, socialism. That's why people like Obama can be elected twice. And so, and and then when you explain to them what communism is and who Karl Marx is, they don't know. You know, they don't know. And what he did and what he believed, they don't know. They're looking at you like, well, you know, socialism is good for everybody because it gives us a chance at the higher, you know, it gives us a chance to have equality, to be equal to everybody else. So that's why communists wanted to you know, get rid or to eliminate the social class. You know, instead of having rich and poor, everybody is every whatever it is that they're they are. Right. You know, we all are equal there there's you know, so that's why they believe in the redistribution of wealth. Because equality. So uh you were asking me if I wanted to go further or end it now. Well, I'm thinking we should go ahead and end it now. I think we're on a two-hour mark. Yeah, it's 11... What time is it? It's 11.30. It's about uh, 20 minutes to 12. So uh, I'm going to take this time to close out the call. But before I do, I just want to uh, say this one thing. Uh, I'm glad that... uh, I'm thankful that everyone participated in the call, uh, participated in the discussion, and we really went through the gambit. And I hope that, you know, I'm going to have a, a chance to um, <clears throat> to post the link in the group. So if anybody has a, the opportunity to listen to the, the show, the call, uh, do your research. You know, research thoroughly. And if you feel convicted about um, having your child in public school or, you know, first of all, just don't take them out just because. Research the information and then ask God for guidance. And read over his curriculum. Don't be afraid to read over your child's curriculum. What is this child being exposed to? Because just because it, you know, just because it's education doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. So, see, we get into this idea of I'm getting an education. Well, what kind of an education are you getting? You know, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's real education. That's real knowledge. And so this is what we have to tell our children. You know, and and I wouldn't have. This is my my personal opinion anyway. I wouldn't have my child uh, a victim of a public school system like I was. I just wouldn't. So uh, I would take, I would homeschool him, and I would teach him about the Bible. I would teach him about real, uh, you know, science from a biblical perspective. But if anybody has any questions, just ask me or ask Najiti or ask um, Darian or Jamel, and. Um, so I'm just going to, um, so with that being said, um, I'm going to close out. Now, the GT, if you would, close us out in the word of prayer. Oh, yes, certainly. Uh, 
I just want to say I appreciate everybody for calling in as well. Uh, and, you know what I'm saying, encourage encourage your, your, your people, your family, or even yourself to do the background research on what we talk about. Don't take our word for it. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, just uh, pray, pray, to the, pray to the Lord to open your eyes to these things because Time is time is running out seriously, and it's going when it when it hit. How they say it, when the stuff hits the fan, you're gonna be sitting around surprised. You know, like Jesus said, like even as the days of Noah were, they was eating, drinking, marrying, giving into marriage, all up until the day uh, the floods came and took them all away. They didn't know what hit them, so. Nope. You know, Sam, you know, we're trying to make everybody aware of what's going on in their world. And I do know that some, like, uh, the, the, the marrow of these topics may be a little past some people's understanding. But just understand the fact that, you know, there are people, literally people out there who have been commissioned to lead the entire world astray by any means necessary, and we know that Satan is one behind the lies. So with that said, just, you know, pray that everybody's mind, his heart is is prepared and his about, I'm going to say this prayer, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, we come to you in prayer and, and thank you for everybody that called in, and we thank you for everybody who will listen later on to the recording and just pray, Father God, that they study to show themselves approved. And studying simply doesn't mean, Father God, we know that it doesn't uh, solely mean just the Bible, but anything regarding life from a biblical perspective. Um, We know, Father God, that you want us to be armed and ready to the teeth uh, the Bible is enough. We know that. And to help us further our understanding, Father God, we know that when it comes to these topics outside of Scripture, when it comes to education, that you have you have a, uh, a a word for it. You know, train up the child in the way that he should go and he should not depart from it. And, you know, Father God, we as saints, we try to do, the, do our best. And we know that in this society, sometimes it's hard because you got parents, you got two parents who work, or sometimes you just have a single parent, and they have no other choice but to leave their children in the hands of the public school system. And I just pray, Father God, for those parents who are struggling uh, to raise their kids in the right way. I just pray, Father God, that you encourage them, strengthen, strengthen them, strengthen their hands, strengthen their minds and their hearts, Father to be steadfast in your word and to continue doing the good job that they're doing as parents, whether they are single or uh, two-parent homes, Father God. And we just pray that they educate themselves on the things that's going on in this world so that they and their children and their children's children will not end up victims of the system, becoming another statistic. And we just pray, Father God, that you make available the resources that are out there uh, to educate, for people to educate themselves on these topics from a biblical perspective as we, as your saints, Father, 
as ambassadors of Christ as we do in our daily studies, in our daily topics that we put on Facebook, that we put on TalkShoe, in our blogs, and just face-to-face discussions with people, Father God. We just pray that you enlighten and strengthen the hands of your saints. And for any unbelievers that may hear, just pray, Father God, that their hearts are turned towards you for truth, Father, because Jesus said that he is the truth and the light, and the truth shall set you free. And we understand that this type of doctrine, this type of uh, education, miseducation, I'd rather call it, of evolution is nothing but bondage. And it bounds the heart of mankind uh, in, in more wickedness and more sin because man doesn't look towards you because he doesn't feel that there is a consequence for the sins that he commits. So with that said, Father God, I just pray that you open the minds and hearts of the people that listen, and thank you for everybody that called in, and uh, God bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So uh, you're you're planning on doing the show on transhumanism, what, uh, next week, right? Yes. All right, take, All right. Take care. All, All right. right. Take All care. Right, All right, David. Yeah. All right, now. Uh, uh, next week, uh, Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. You remember I told you, uh, if we keep it consistent, Sundays, let's just do Sundays, like Friday. We freestyle Fridays. It's Friday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.